Welcome to Acknowledge Dogs Podcast. It's Thursday, which means it is Theory Thursdays on Acknowledge Dogs Podcast. We're going to jump into and deep dive the complexities of dog training theories. Enjoy the show. Hello, good morning. Welcome to the show. I'm recording this in the morning. If you're listening in the afternoon or the evening, happy afternoon. Good evening. Good afternoon. That's what it is. Good afternoon. Not happy afternoon. Good afternoon. Good evening. Anytime you listen to this, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we are talking about negative reinforcement. Okay. One of the quadrants of learning, operant conditioning, right? You got positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, negative punishment. Today, we are talking about negative reinforcement. Okay. You may have heard that before and maybe didn't know what it meant, or maybe you knew a, a, a variation of what it meant, but I want to go in depth and really break it down. So the first thing we need to understand is the word negative. Negative does not mean a bad thing. Okay, when we think of something negative, right, even that phrase, oh, think of something negative, you're thinking of a bad thing, something that you would not like to see again. Okay. That is not what negative means in this case. Negative means removing something from the equation. Okay, you're taking something away. You're removing something from the situation. And then we have the word reinforcement. Reinforcement is anything that increases the likelihood of a behavior. Okay, anything that increases the likelihood of a behavior. So if the behavior happens more frequently because you're implementing a particular negative reinforcer, that behavior will continue to increase frequency. That behavior is going to happen more based off of your negative reinforcement. Now, if the behavior does not happen more, then it's not being reinforced. If the behavior happens less, it's actually being punished. People usually forget this part. It's not just, oh, well, I'm using negative reinforcement or I'm using positive reinforcement. I'm using positive punishment. Well, what is the learner perceiving? Is behavior decreasing or is behavior increasing? Which is it? Okay. So negative reinforcement, when you put it together, it's taking something away to increase the likelihood of the behavior. Now, this can get tricky for a couple of reasons. Number one, you really have to understand you're taking something away. Something needs to be taken away in order to increase the likelihood of the behavior. The other part about negative reinforcement is done correctly still has some flaws. Okay. When we're talking about dog training, clearly the definition and the, the system itself does not have flaws because it's just scientific nature. When we're trying to implement negative reinforcement training into dog training, there can be some flaws. The best example I could possibly give of this, and I love this example, I use it all the time, I tell it to everybody. The best example is an alarm clock. What? An alarm clock? Yes, an alarm clock. Let's say Monday morning, you set your alarm, 5.30 a.m., right? (laughs) Let's go real early. 5.30 a.m., Monday morning, your alarm clock set. you got to wake up, you got to take a shower, you got to get ready, you got to go to work. That alarm clock goes off. 
you get out of bed to turn the alarm clock off. So what did you do? You got negatively reinforced for getting out of bed and turning off that alarm clock. Right? There's something present that you need to turn off, you need to remove from the situation in order to be reinforced for getting out of bed. Aha. So you get out of bed, you take a shower, you go to work, no big deal. You don't think about the alarm clock for the rest of the day. And let's go even far enough to say you have it automated. Every single day it goes off at 5.30. That way you don't have to set it every day. Okay, so you're really not thinking about this alarm clock until Tuesday morning. 5.30, alarm clock goes off. You get out of bed, you press the button, and now you're reinforced for getting out of bed again. Great. Wednesday, same thing happens. Thursday, alarm goes off at 5.30, you get up, you turn it off. Friday, alarm clock goes off 5.30, press the button. Now, you just got reinforced five days in a row for waking up at 5.30 and turning off this external stimulus. You removed something from the situation and you got reinforced for it. Now, Saturday comes. You don't have work on Saturday. You did your 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. And now, you're stuck in this pickle of, well, do I set the alarm clock or not? You want to sleep in. Okay. So let's say you don't set the alarm clock. We'll do both examples. Let's say you do not set the alarm clock. Saturday, 5.30, you do not set the alarm clock. Now what happens? You maybe wake up at 5.30, just as of habit of the last five days, but you don't get out of bed. There's no need to get out of bed. Why? Because there's no external stimulus telling you to get out of bed. There is nothing that is stimulating such a response from you. Right? Negative reinforcement, there needs to be something in the equation that we can remove. There has to be something there. If there isn't something there for them to remove or for you to remove, you can't do it. You can't do it. Okay? So Saturday morning, the alarm clock doesn't go off. You ain't waking up. Because there's nothing to wake up to. You're just going to sleep and sleep and sleep because it's more positively reinforcing to sleep. Now, let's say you did set the alarm clock. Okay? This has happened to me on several occasions. Let's say you set the alarm clock. You wake up, and not at 5.30, because your body got into the habit of waking up slightly earlier than 5.30. Snoozing for a minute, and then getting up and turning off the alarm clock because the alarm clock went off. This is what happens to so many individuals. They don't get up, the alarm clock goes off, and they breeze by it. They completely ignore the alarm clock. It happens to me almost every single day. I never hear my alarm clock. I've had to get a louder alarm clock, which everyone in my family hates, because when I need to wake up, I have to get up. Something has to wake me up, especially because I end up staying up too late, and I know I should go to sleep earlier. We're going to talk about that later. So, right, your alarm clock goes off. You wake up, and maybe you wake up a couple minutes early, and now your brain says, oh, well, the alarm clock's not going off, so maybe I have a couple more minutes. Now, you pick your head off the pillow. You look at the time. You realize you got a couple more minutes. You go back to sleep. You jump right back in that deeper sleep where you're having wonderful dreams about catching dogs and bite suits. And you completely disregard the alarm clock going off. Completely disregard. 
What has your brain learned? Oh, well, number one, if we wake up and we don't hear the alarm clock, there's no need to perform the behavior of getting out of bed. Number two, I can ignore that alarm, that external stimulus, and nothing's going to happen. Right? My alarm clock's not going to jump out of the, the... My alarm clock's not going to jump off the table and come beat me up in the bed. I hope not, at least. That would be a horrific nightmare. Right? You wake up because you think your nightmare, your uh, alarm clock's running at you. That would be absolutely insane. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. So, right, we're talking about negative reinforcement. We're talking about waking up in the morning, having an alarm clock, having something that is going to stimulate a response from you. You could go as far to say obedience cues, right, me saying sit, could be considered a negative reinforcer. I'm going to stay on you and make sure you sit until you do so. Okay, that's one way to think about it. But let's go back to our alarm clock example, right? You have a routine every single day you wake up at the same time. The day that the alarm clock is not on, you are not going to wake up because you have now become reliant on that external stimulus to wake you up. So what's an alternative? Go to bed earlier, right? Be proactive, do the health recommendations that people tell you to do, right? No phone two hours before bed. Don't exercise two hours before bed. Don't eat four hours before bed. Ah, didn't, you didn't know that one, did you? Yeah, don't eat four hours before you go to bed. Take a warm shower an hour before you go to bed. Read for 45 minutes. Have a cool environment at least 67 degrees. All those things added up create a perfect dynamic for you to sleep. The melatonin starts to go in your brain. You're not distracted by anything. You actually start to feel drowsy. The other thing you need to do is do things during the day. People don't do this. right? You sit on the couch all day. You're sitting at the office all day, whatever it may be, and you didn't physically do something for your body to be tired. Mentally, you might be tired, and that's where you get the twitching at night. right? You lay down, and your brain is checking with your body. Oh, are we, are we tired? And you start twitching. That's your brain saying, hey, body, are you tired? Because if you're not, I'm going to move you around until you get tired. Right? But if everything's tired, exhausted even, you will have the best night's sleep ever. The best night's sleep I ever got was while camping. Because that it just, you didn't have access to your phone. When the sun went down, we started to relax by sitting by the fire. and We went to sleep. We were hiking all day. We were playing all day. It was great. But enough of a side tangent about sleep. I hope you're getting enough sleep. really does help have a clear level head gets more done get more sleep fellas and ladies so you could be proactive and get more sleep which means you're going to naturally wake up okay 
You're going to naturally wake up. Now, this happened to me the other day, and it is still a form of negative reinforcement. So I set my alarm clock at 5.30 every day. And in this particular day, I had to get up. There had to be, there, there had to be a reason to get up. And so I set my alarm clock, and my significant other was like, oh man, that alarm clock's going to be so loud, and I knew it was going to bother her. So what I did was I forced my brain. I said, we got to wake up, we got to wake up, we got to wake up, we got to wake up. And so I woke up, and the moment I realized that it was almost time for the alarm clock to go off is when I got out of bed. And I turned off that alarm clock before it went off. So you might be saying, okay, well, maybe that's not negative reinforcement because if it was negative reinforcement, it would have to have gone off in order for me to get up and turn it off. Right? It has to go off so I can remove it from the situation and being reinforced for removing it from the situation. But actually, it is still negative reinforcement because the night before I set it, so it's still in play. Right? All I'm doing is instead of removing the active sound, I'm removing the potential for the sound. Hmm, interesting, right? So I'm removing the potential for the sound of the alarm clock going off. I don't have to deal with that sound if I wake up earlier. I think that is a little more effective, even though it, I know it's the exact same thing as negative reinforcement. But it's a little more effective because then I feel better. I feel positively reinforced for waking up earlier. You know what I mean? So yes, I get negative reinforcement because I prevented the addition of the cue, the stimulus. I removed that anxiety of, oh my god, I gotta, I gotta do this before it goes off. But I also get positively reinforced because now I'm awake and I get reinforced for waking up early. The addition to me, right, when we're talking about positive reinforcement, adding things that make us feel better, the addition to me is that I didn't disrupt my significant other. She now gets to sleep a little bit more uninterrupted and she's not all cranky because I have this loud glaring alarm clock so how does this pertain to dog training how do we use it in dog training how do you know what you're actually here for not hearing about my sleep schedule and alarm clocks so when it comes to dogs if you're using pressure on a leash or using an e-collar or anything like that you're going to be using negative reinforcement to some degree okay Everybody thinks e-collars, prong collars are uh, purely punishing behaviors, okay? And you can use, you absolutely can use those tools as a punishing behavior, but you can also use them as negative reinforcers. Now, again, this is where I'm not a fan of negative reinforcers. I don't know if you can gather that. <laughs> I am not a fan. The reason being... Those stimulus need to be in play prior to the dog doing anything. So the way you'd use this is pressure, okay? You'd add pressure, and that's pulling up on the leash or pulling to whatever it is. You'd add pressure, and when the dog responds to the pressure, you remove the pressure. That's negative reinforcement. But here's the thing. In most cases, I'm not going to say all, in most cases, what ends up happening in dog training is we add positive punishment 
before we can take negative reinforcement. Okay, I'm going to say that again. We add positive punishment before negative reinforcement. So think about it. An old, old, old technique for hunting dogs is they would pinch them by the ear, put the object in the dog's mouth, and then let go of their ear. What does that teach the dog? First off, I don't like your hand near my ear. Right? If we really broke it down to the, the first thing the dog's learning, I don't like your hand near my ear. So already we have this animosity. There is anger, there is frustration, there is a disconnect between the owner and the handler. So, alright, I don't like you touching my ear, but fine, I'm, I'm posted up to this chain, I can't really get you anyway. So you pinch my ear, you put the thing into my mouth, now you remove your hand from my ear while I'm holding this object. If I drop it, you go back to pinching me in the ear. So yes, I will hold the object to prevent you from pinching me in the ear. But there was positive punishment first when we're talking about e-collars or prong collars or pressure. An individual will add pressure first. That's positive punishment in most cases because the dog doesn't like the pressure. If the dog liked the pressure, then it wouldn't try to turn it off. That's just science. If the dog liked the pressure, he wouldn't try to turn it off. So you add pressure. Dog's like, what the hell? Now you give them a cue or a command. Most cases, individuals use the term command when they're doing this style of training. As opposed to a cue. Right, there is a difference. But they'll give the dog a command. And when the dog complies, this is another term that you'll hear people use when we're talking about this. When the dog complies to the command, the pressure comes off. It's negative reinforcement. They'll just say pressure on, pressure off. But what they mean is positive punishment, negative reinforcement. What they mean is negative reinforcement. My dog is now actively doing something to remove this external stimulus. So why don't I like using this? Number one, I have to add something before the dog has even done anything. I don't like doing that, right? The other part is if the dog does not know the behavior, this can be insanely stressful. Insanely stressful. The dog must know the behavior before you even get to this point. So the example of a sit, I just saw someone on TikTok doing it yesterday. That's why I was scrolling through my TikToks which I don't like to do too often because I like to get out in the world, but I was enjoying my TikTok time. My TikTok time! And uh, so I saw somebody, he had a slip lead, a prong collar, an e-collar, a flat collar, and a harness all on this dog. I felt bad for this dog. I think it was like an eight-month-old Doberman. Completely unnecessary. But anyway, that's a story for another day. So he brings the Doberman over. He goes to put it on place. And... You hear the e-collar. He has the sound on, so you can hear it. Puts the e-collar on. Gives the verbal command. He's the one that he even said command and compliance in this moment. So, brings the dog over. He gives the command of a sit. He pulls up on the leash. While having the stimulation on the e-collar. The dog does not sit. So, he increases stimulation on the e-collar. The dog eventually does sit. And then he removes all pressure. So what did that teach the dog? 
okay? Number one, it did teach the dog that if I don't comply, more force will be used. Okay, that's the first thing. Number two, sit is not a good behavior. What? Sit is not a good behavior. Why should that dog want to do the sit behavior? It needs to do the sit behavior because it knows, number one, if I don't comply, pressure will be increased, right? But it does not want to do the behavior. It needs to do the behavior because of that. Unless, all right, ready for this one, ready for this little secret nugget, ready for this? Unless that stimulus is not present. Unless that stimulus is not present. Now, you could say one of two things. Oh, well, what if you, you know, what if you do this? What if you do that? What if you do this? Sure. Do everything you want to possibly do. There is going to be some way your dog will perceive that negative reinforcement is in play or not in play. Best example is e-collars and prong collars and all those collars. Any collar you want to use is a signal that you now have the ability to enforce negative reinforcement. If that collar is not there, then you can't do that. And this is where dogs are spiteful and they've learned to disobey and they know you can't get them, right? No, <laughs> they're being smart. They're being smart. Think about it this way. If you're driving down the highway, okay, I'm driving down the highway. I'm cruising along, having a grand old time. I got fast lane by Eminem and I think it's 50 Cent. And that always gets me gassed up. That song always gets me gassed up. And so maybe I put my foot just a little harder on the gas. Okay, so I put my foot harder on the gas. Now I start really zipping forward. Not too fast. I don't want, I don't want you know, break any sound barriers. But I'm going a little too fast. And now I see a cop. Haha. Positive punishment. Right? Something had to be added. So that got added. So what does that tell me? I need to slow down. So I slow down before the cop sees me. I get past the cop. And now I speed it back up again. Do not tell me you have never done that before. Everybody who has ever seen a cop, especially where I live, or used to live, I just moved, especially where I used to live, that was a staple, <laughs> okay? The speed limits were mere suggestions for older individuals, but everybody else was going at least Mach 1, and when we saw a cop, we slowed down to just above the speed limit. Once the cop was gone, you went back to Mach 1. That's just what it was. Now, we weren't being dangerous because it was actually dangerous to go the speed limit. Everyone was going slower. I mean, everyone was going so fast, you needed to be you needed to go with traffic. You needed to move traffic along. But here's the thing, right? The cop is now that added stimulus. And without the cop there, the behavior doesn't improve. Because there's no need to, at least when we're talking about science and negative reinforcement. So your dog does not feel a need to do the behavior if the collar isn't on, if the pressure isn't there, right? You would constantly have to be telling your dog what to do after you've added in the stimulus. Now, I know what some people are going to say. Well, that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. Sure, that's how some people do it. This is the example I'm giving you. 
We could do a whole podcast. We could do we could do ten episodes just on e-college, ten episodes just on proud college, ten episodes just on show college, and all of that stuff. And I probably will in the future. That's not my preferred method, but it doesn't mean I don't know how it works. You must understand a well-rounded picture in order to be a good dog trainer, and I understand how all of that works, and yet I still choose to give everything I can to that dog before I ever think of going down that road. And 99.9% of the time, if not 100% of the time, I can find an alternative. Okay, and with good timing and with good effort, with good consistency, it can be more effective. Problem is, nobody wants to be consistent, and they just want to take the easy road out. Right? Let's be, let's be real here. Right? You can use punishment. You can. Go ahead. But could you do it a different way? That's the only thing I'm asking. Could you do it a different way? Guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Today has been fun. We talked about negative reinforcement. If you want me to talk about the other quadrants of learning, please let me know. Wherever you are listening to this, go over to my social media accounts, click on the good stuff, the comment section, or you can just direct message me and say, hey, I really liked that episode. I want you to talk about the other quadrants. I want you to talk about this. I want you to talk about that. I want you to talk about this. This podcast is for you. My goal is to help educate you as best way I can through a free medium. This is free. It's completely free. All you're giving up is your time. And you can even go down to the bottom and click the two times. So instead of listening to a half-hour episode, you got 15 minutes, depending on your car drive. I will try not to talk too fast if you bump up the speed. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors, reach the goals that you want, and have the dog that always listens. Thank you.